good evening. Good to see everyone out this evening. Let's go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to be in your house, to worship and to praise you. Lord, we ask for your presence to be in our presence. Lord, we pray that you would speak to our hearts this evening and give us exactly what we need to hear. Lord, do thank you for your love and your mercy and your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, good evening. Let's uh, let's get our hand on turn to page uh, 18. Page This is one that I really love. Uh, we haven't sung it for a long time. Uh, page 130, page number 130, uh, The Love of God.
you glad for the love of God. It's something we can always count on. Amen. Well, let's have some fellowship time. Well, let's turn to page 330, <coughs> excuse me, page 
Open our eyes, Lord. All right. How many remembered it was Valentine's Day today? A couple of you did. I forgot. Uh, no, I, I, I just, we don't put a whole lot of stock in it because I love her so much. I, just another day of that I express my love to my wife, but, right? Yeah, that's right. So we don't uh, really get into all that, but uh, it's okay. And we'll probably go out for dinner sometime this weekend or something. And uh, But anyways, I'm glad that you're here tonight on this uh, nice uh, day. I hope that you're praying for those in Florida. Uh, I just uh, saw on the news um, that there were 17 killed in that school shooting. And, uh, and that's, uh, what was it? Uh, I thought I saw 17, but... Uh, 1720 still there's that's a lot um, and so you you pray for those the families that are affected um, and pray for um, the, all the kids I mean there I'm telling you folks we're, we're living in some devastating times and uh, it's it's getting worse and worse I believe and uh, I mean it's it's hardly safe to walk out your front door anymore and so uh, I like to do is I, I want to pray for those um, right now, those in the families and all those that are affected, and even the the, the teenagers, their friends have have lost friends, and the, the school teachers, and uh, so you just uh, pray with me if you will. All right, let's pray. Our heavenly Father, Lord, we do thank you for your love, your mercy, and your grace. Lord, we do uh, come to you this evening with heavy hearts, uh, knowing uh, and hearing uh, about the. The mass shooting there in southern Florida, and then, uh, Lord, the other things that are going on in our country today. Lord, I just ask, Lord, that you would, uh, Lord, that you would comfort these families. Lord, that you would rem- you would reign supreme over all this, and Lord, that uh, people would see, um, even through trials and uh, tragedy, Lord, that you are good, and Lord, that you. Uh, that, uh, Lord, all things happen for a reason and a purpose, and, Lord, we ask that you would get the glory from all this. Lord, I ask that you would comfort the families, and no doubt they need uh, they need the peace and comfort that only you can give. Lord, I ask that, uh, Lord, uh, that you would just uh, be with the students that are there as they've lost uh, teachers and loved ones and friends, and, Lord, I ask that you be with the families, and, Lord, I pray that you would just, uh, Lord, that even... Uh, the shooter, Lord, uh, Lord, I I don't know uh, what is going on in this wicked world, but Lord, I know that uh, what people need is Jesus, and Lord, I ask that you would, uh, Lord, that you would uh, just uh, do a great work in those people's lives. Lord, I do again thank you for all that you do in Jesus' name, Amen. We're going to continue our study in the book of Philippians and. Uh, uh, I was going to bring a love message tonight, uh, but uh, I thought, well, I'll save that for another time. I want to continue in the book of Philippians. I'd like to uh, go there, Philippians chapter 2, as we um, are kind of looking at uh, Philippians chapter 2 here. As Paul penned the epistle of the Philippians, the church at Philippi in chapter 2 here was concerned about a man that had, uh, from their church that had become very sick, and his name was Epaphroditus. Uh, who uh, he had been very, very sick. And uh, at the time, he was away from Philippi, from the church of Philippi. And uh, when the church heard about what he is, his battling this sickness, they, uh, they had become so concerned with uh, this man that, that they allowed it to overshadow their, their lives and to steal their joy in serving God. And, uh, of course, we should be praying for the sick and the hurting. And, uh, but this church had let it hinder their work for the Lord. The devil is actively trying to steal our joy. I'm telling you with what happened just in Florida today, I'm telling you the devil is, he's, he's, he's out there and he's trying to attack us and he's trying to steal our joy and he'll do everything and anything that he can uh, to defeat and to discourage Christians. You see, he can't change our eternal destination. But I tell you, he once we're saved, he can't change that. But I, I can tell you this, he can limit our effectiveness and still our, our joy here on earth. And uh, maybe your plans got changed last minute and created a frustration for you. Maybe uh, a friend or family member reacted harshly towards you. 
um, and hurt you. Maybe a co-worker lied about you. Whatever the circumstances, the devil seeks to use life's ups and downs to steal our joy. And don't allow little things in this life to keep you from joyfully serving the Lord. Things are going to go wrong. I can tell you that right now. Things are going to go wrong. Plans are going to change. And rough times are going to come. But if you are daily in God's Word, seeking His face, you can still have joy despite all the circumstances and the things that are surrounding the bad times. Have you allowed the devil to steal your joy? It may not even come through something major or something outwardly bad, but little changes can take away a Christian's once joyful spirit of service. Readjust your heart and focus on having God's joy uh, in your life. Have you ever noticed that nothing moves without friction? Uh, If we want to proceed on the path of joy... Let me say this, there are always going to be something in our path to put a kink in things. You'd just be going along through life and all of a sudden something springs up in front of you. Something happens, uh, um, a financial issue, an emotional issue, a physical condition, a family issue. All these things come at us at all different angles and it put a kink in our plans. Within chapter 3 of Philippians, we'll be in here, but... Paul reminds us that we have an enemy. He reminds us there's an enemy out there and uh, that is wanting to steal our joy. We need to be aware of this enemy and, his, and be uh, alert to his tactics that he uses. So we'll be in Philippians chapter 3. And Philippians chapter 3 verse 1, notice here it says, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you, to me indeed is not grievous, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of concision. Then skip down to verse 18. It says, For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are enemy, the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame whose mind earthly things. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, again, once we thank you, uh, Lord, for all that you do for us. Lord, we do thank you for the joys. We thank you for the victories in the valleys. Lord, that we can remain joyful even during times of heartache and times of uh, valleys. Lord, knowing that you are the God of the mountaintops and the God of the valleys. Lord, I ask this, this evening, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts. Give us exactly what we need to hear to help us throughout the rest of the week. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I, found, uh, I love the promise found in John chapter 10, verse 10. The Bible says this, The thief cometh not but to steal and to kill and to destroy. He says this, I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Christ wants us to have uh, the abundant life. He wants us to enjoy life, to have joy unspeakable and full of glory. Here we are dead in trespasses of sin, and yet God desires to bring us a life, not only eternal, but uh, on earth as well, bring us uh, happiness here on uh, earth as well. God is a joy giver, but Satan is a joy stealer. He's a a joy killer. And every day we submit to one or the other. You see, God cannot rule in the throne room. I, I read this quote, God cannot rule in the throne room of our hearts if Satan is dwelling in the cellar of our thoughts. We must remember that Satan is a defeated foe. You know, sometimes oh, Satan sticks his ugly head out and he wants to uh, show who's boss. But can I tell you, we have, we've read the end of the book. We know who's boss. I want to share with you just three or four thoughts. I want you to notice the focus of Paul here. He says in verse 1, he says, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord to write the same things to you. To me indeed is not grievous, but for you it is safe. Paul says here, he says, finally. Uh, now, this he's saying finally he's getting to the point of this, uh, this epistle, this, this letter. Uh, the finally in verse 1 is not an indication that he's about to finish, but rather that he's 
that he's arrived to his desired theme for the book and what his heart is. You see, joy comes, he's wanting to tell us that joy comes only through the Savior. It's one source. And, you know, many people try to find joy in all kinds of different places. They go to the bar, they go to uh, the casino, they go to all kinds, they run to all different places. But can I tell you that true, lasting joy only is found in one source, and that source is the Savior. Happiness can come. Uh, through any number of sources, but true joy can only come from the Lord. Many people find happiness in the bar or something new or in a promotion that gives financial wealth or uh, uh, gives us more money or things such as that, but uh, those things are temporary. Um, and true joy that God gives us can, can come some, uh, to someone that has absolutely nothing. I notice I've known people that had nothing. I mean, when I say nothing, I mean zero. They had nothing to the finances, but they were happy. They had joy because they had the Lord in their life. You see, joy can, does, isn't about, uh, about money or finances or uh, sickness or any of those things. Joy is found in the Savior. A joyful contentment is not found in our circumstances but rather in our resources. With Christ in us, we have a resource that is always present no matter what the circumstances. God has said that I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. That's a promise that each Christian has, that God has promised to always be with us. You see, did you know that 75% of lottery winners, I've seen this statistic, 75% of lottery winners go broke after five years? People that thought money would, have, would bring them happiness and joy only to find themselves depressed and discouraged. Why? Because they thought, they thought joy was found in money. See, money doesn't buy true joy. The Bible says this in Psalm 16, 11. It says, Thou wilt show me the path of life, and thy presence is the fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Joy continues not only comes through the Savior, but it continues through steadfastness. Look there in verse 1 again. It says, To write the same things to you, to me indeed is not grievous, but for you it is safe. We must guard against the spirit in our hearts that says, I've heard it all this before. Paul recognized that he is telling them, what he's telling them, it's not new, it's not some... Uh, you know, something from outer space, but this is something that, that they've been taught for a while. It's keeping them on the old paths. That brings the blessings. There's a value of ongoing steadfastness, ongoing uh, instruction in the Word of God. Isaiah 28, 9 says this, Whom shall he teach knowledge, and whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast. For precept must be upon precept and precept upon precept, line upon line and line upon line, here a little and there a little. David came to a point in his life where joy was missing. And you know why he had sinned against Uriah and against God, really, but with Bathsheba. He walks with the Lord and had been interrupted by his will for the lust. And the sin with Bathsheba had brought some momentary pleasure of the flesh, but had left him sorrowful and, and depressed and discouraged, and it was unbearable. In repentance, he comes to God and he cries out, Purge me with hyssop. He says, And I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear the joy and gladness. Let me ask you, is, is joy missing in your life? There's only one source, and that source is the Savior for true, lasting joy. But then I want you to notice number two. Notice the frauds. The frauds. Look there in verse two. It says, Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of concision. While the devil has many weapons in his arsenal, perhaps his favorite, most effective is deception. In 2 Corinthians eleven thirteen, it says, For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into the apostle of Christ, 
and no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Satan talks a good game, but he targets a different goal. See, we must stand on guard. Why? Because lest Satan should get advantage of us. We're not ignorant of his devices. He says, I believe we need to be aware of inattentiveness. The Bible says, beware of dogs. A dog is most dangerous when when, uh, you're surprised by him. Uh, When you are aware of the dog's presence, you can stay in front of him and keep away, keep back from him. I remember a story when I was in Bible college and uh, Dr. Moon, he was my bus director, and he says, go upstairs. He says, go around that house. It was a fenced-in house area. And he says, go upside the house, and uh, on the back side of the house, go up the steps and knock on the door. They, the people live upstairs, and it was like a, like a multi-unit building there. And uh, I said, okay. So I went, and he's staying in the bus there, and I go and I knock on the door. And then I, no one answers, so I walk down the steps, and all of a sudden I hear, Rrr. oh, man, I took off running. It was a big, it was a big uh, pit bull, and that thing scared me to death. I went running, and I, I'm running as fast as I can, and I jumped that fence, and I ripped my pants, my new dress slacks, on the way over the fence. Brother Moon laughed so hard. He said, that dog won't hurt you. It scared me to death. Why? Because he surprised me. And he didn't look friendly. And next time he told, he says, won't you go around and knock on that? I said, no, won't you go around and knock on that door? But we need to be aware of dogs. Have you ever, have you ever wondered how the disciples could forsake the Lord in, the greatest, in his greatest hour of need? How could these great men who had been with him for three years serving and running with him and seeing all the things, how could they betray him? They allowed themselves to become unaware. Unaware of what God had told them. As they came to the garden that night, you remember, Jesus was very sorrowful and even unto death. This is when Jesus was praying to the Father and God, uh, God's will be done. And after he had prayed, he went to his disciples and he found them asleep. He asked them, what, could you not watch and pray with me an hour? And he tells them to watch and pray and they, uh, that they would not enter into temptation. Jesus warned them and pleaded with them to watch and pray, but they were inattentive and they fell asleep once again. Is it any wonder that we read the sad words later on in the chapter that says this, Then all the disciples forsook him and fled. Why? Because they were inattentive. To what God had told them. See, no doubt a man like Peter didn't think that it would happen, it could ever happen to him. But guess what? The Bible says, Wherefore, lest let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. You see, weariness in the Lord's work always follows a lack of attentiveness in the Lord's words. But then I want you to notice it says, Beware of infiltration. Look there in verse 2, it says, Beware of evil workers. God warns us here of an inside job. On one hand, God uses a metaphor of a roaring lion describing how Satan operates against us. He says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. But on the other hand, he warns of another animal. He says in Matthew 7, 15, he says, Beware of false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravening wolves. Here's another of Satan's deceptive ploys here. Of course, we're not going to allow a wolf to come in and steal the sheep. But if he looks like sheep, perhaps we won't notice. Notice here in our verse that that these are evil workers. Notice it says evil workers. They are right along the side of us, doing the work, but dangerously seeking to destroy. See, Paul faced this deceit in Galatians 2.4. He says, and that because of false brethren, unawares brought in. Every once in a while, you can smell a wolf in the church house looking for a sheep. 
Church, we need to be careful. We need to be careful what we allow to come into our church. You see, when people want to talk bad about other people in the church and want to talk bad about the pastor and the leadership of the church, we need to be careful. I'm telling you, be careful. But then I want you to notice we need to, it says, beware of concision or beware of indoctrination. Concision is a, it means a cutting away. Concision is, has its roots back in Judea. Uh, and, and it's mentioned in Acts 15.1. It says, And certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren and said, Except ye be circumcised after the manner of Moses, ye cannot be saved. They were trying to bring the law into the gospel. But listen, we are saved by grace. It has nothing to do with any type of works. And what they were trying to do here is they were trying to, uh, if you were, uh, in order to be saved, you had to bring back the law and you had to do things. You had to be circumcised. That's a works. You see, when something does, doesn't line up with the scriptures, we need to be careful. Paul said this in Acts 17, 11, These were more noble than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness of mind and search the scriptures daily whether these things were so. Jesus said, And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. You see, three times in the New Testament, God gives a simple warning. He says, Be not deceived. Be not deceived. Be not deceived. See, you can recover from being deceived from a car salesman. You can recover from, uh, uh, from being deceived from a credit card salesman or a panhandler, but... You can't ever afford to be deceived when it comes to spiritual truths. We need to be careful. Ephesians 4.14 says this, That we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the sight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie and wait to deceive. Then I want you to notice the last thing. Notice the forewarning. Look there in verse 18 and 19 again of our text. Verse 18 and 19. It says, For many walk of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who mind earthly things. You see... God has given us, or Paul right here through the Word of God, has is, is given us some additional warnings. We need to remember what the Apostle said at the beginning, that we need to be aware. Be aware. He's reminding us again that joy has an opposition. And we dare not let our guards down. If, we unlocked, if you unlock your heart for just a moment, the thief will rob you of your joy. The Bible says in 1 John 2.16, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh. You know what Satan tries to use? He tries to use the lust of the flesh. We need to watch out for the lust of the flesh, folks. Look there again in verse 18. It says, For many walk of whom I have told you often, and now I tell you even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ. What a sad commentary. The Bible says, Whose God is their belly. Their God is their belly. In 1 Corinthians 3, Paul addresses a fleshly carnality that, shall, that was prevalent in Corinthians. He says there in verse 1, he says, And I, brother, and, uh, could not speak unto you as unto a spiritual, but as unto carnal, even unto babes in Christ. We need to look into the spiritual mirror tonight. Are we still babies in Christ? I mean, we've been saved for some time. Are we still desiring that sincere, sincere milk of the Word? Are we, are we, are we uh, eating and chewing on the meat from God's Word? You see, we need to be growing. See, are you constantly battling envy and petty jealousy in the church or with your family or whatever? They may? Are you at odds with uh, folks? If so, Paul says, you're worshiping the wrong God. He says, your God is yourself. 
You know, so, so many people get so caught up with their self. It's me, mine, and mine. And we need to be careful of these things. See, it's time to crucify the flesh. You know, I was talking to someone today, and they said they were struggling with some areas in their life. And, and I reminded them of Paul says that he struggled, and he had to crucify the, the flesh every day. He had to kill the old man every day, and he had to uh, rise and walk in the new man every day. He said, I die daily. And folks, if we're going to be able to walk in uh, spirituality and walk as God would have us to, we need to die daily. The Bible says in Galatians 5.24, And they that are in Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections of, and lust. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. I know our flesh cries out for attention and wants to be in control, but when the flesh is in control, can I tell you, God's not in control. And when God's not in control, our opportunity for joy-filled life, it's gone. We're not going to have joy, a joy-filled life, if God's not on the throne of our hearts. If we're truly born again, we should be experiencing victory over the fleshly desires. Romans 8.1 says, There is therefore no, now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Remember that joy, the joy that the flesh produces is temporary. But the joy that God produces is eternal. The Bible says in 1 John 2.16, And the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. We need to watch out for the lust of the flesh, but also the pride of life. The Bible says, Whose, God, uh, whose glory is in their shame. A man knows more bad about himself than anyone else. And yet no one thinks more highly of themselves than himself. When you do a little background check on the Apostle Paul, he probably had more to boast about than any other Christian that you read about. But he said this, Yet of myself I will not glory, but in mine infirmities. See, we need to watch out for that pride of life, how it comes in. The worst inflation in the world is an inflated ego. Proverbs 25, 27 says this, It is not good to eat much honey, so for men to search their own glory is not glory. Too much time at the dessert table will destroy you physically, and too much self-exaltation will destroy you spiritually. Have you ever met people that just thought they were just, they hung the stars and the moon? I mean, they just really thought really highly of themselves. And if you didn't think so, they would tell you that you're wrong. Because they are good people and they are the best at everything. Can I tell you, that's gonna, that will destroy you. God does not like that. God has His way of cutting us down to size. Aaron Obadiah 1.4 says, Though thou exalt thyself as an eagle, and though thou, thou set thy nest among the stars, thence will I bring thee down, saith the Lord. I don't want the Lord to bring me down. But then the last thing, watch out for the lust of the eyes. The Bible says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. Look there in verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 19 in Philippians. It says, Who mind earthly things. It's said of those of the hall of, hall of faith there in Hebrews. Hebrews 13, notice this, it says, These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that there were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. You know what? This world is not our home. For the Christian, this is not our home. We're just passing through. Our citizenship is in heaven. So while we're here in this strange land, we must watch out for foreign control. As a born-again believer, you are a part of the bride of Christ. He is the bridegroom, and collectively, all who are saved 
make up his bride. One day the trumpet's going to sound. And the bride of Christ is going to raise. They're going to be snatched away. Uh, the Bible teaches that there's uh, that rapture time where we're going to be, uh, the word is harpunzo, as, as we're going to be snatched out of here. And the bride of Christ will be taken away to the marriage supper of the Lamb. What a great gathering that will be. But I'm afraid that when Jesus comes, many are going to be ashamed. The Bible says in James 4, 4, Ye adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is an enemy, is the enemy of God. Belief should impact our behavior. If we belong to Christ, then we should bear His likeness. Colossians 3.1 says, if, we, if ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Why are we living for the things of this world? We are, we are so capt, uh, by, captive by the things of this world. And we want to, you know, especially with the teenagers of today, we want to fit in so much and be like the world. But God says that we're to come away from it, be set, uh, to be uh, separated from the world. We need to be careful with these things. It is through the opposition that we grow stronger. God never gives us more than we can bear, and He always supplies His grace to accompany us. Problems are not given to destroy us, but to build us. Opposition with God's encouragement helps build spiritual muscles. He is always there and will never allow the opposition to crush us. It only builds us. 1 Corinthians 10.13 There hath no temptation taken you, such as common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. Don't let the opposition steal your joy. God wants us to have what kind of life? Abundant life. He wants us to have joy, unspeakable and full of glory. God wants us to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Whatever trial you can, you, whatever trial you face, you can still rejoice, knowing that God's in control, and that God has everything. Nothing catches Him by surprise. Psalm 100 tells us to serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. Those commands aren't based upon how well life is going and how uh, you know how good we have it. It's based on the inherited goodness of our God. Let us rejoice in the Lord always. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Don't allow anything to steal your joy. There are many oppositions to our joy. There are. There are many things that are trying to, to take that joy away. But can I tell you, everlasting joy is only in one source, and that's through the Savior. Maybe you're struggling tonight with joy. Can I tell you, you can find it. Don't allow the things of this world to steal that joy. It can be found only in the Savior. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father. Lord, I do thank you for your love, your mercy, and your grace. Lord, I thank you for the joy that you give us. Lord, I thank you for the peace that passes all understanding. Lord, when we have that peace, we have that joy. And God, I pray that you would just deal with hearts tonight. Lord, that we would seek your face and find true joy and happiness and peace in you. Thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do. We give you the praise, the glory, and the honor. In Jesus' name. Amen. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Brother Adam's going to play softly. It's always a time of invitation. If God has spoke to your heart, I want to encourage you to find a place at the altar. You can pray at your seat, but I want to encourage you just to do business with the Lord.
as you're in an attitude of prayer, I do want to lift some petitions this evening. Um, Brother Travis was called me and told me there was a man in Brother Shannon's church. His brother-in-law was ice fishing yesterday, I believe down in Columbus or somewhere in that area. Um, and uh, I guess he, his brother-in-law and his brother-in-law's friend uh, were ice fishing and they drowned in a, uh, as they were fishing, I guess. And so you pray for, uh, I can't remember his name now, I wrote it down, but I can't remember his name. The Lord knows, but you remember this family. Um, then also remember uh, the folks that are uh, in Florida. I think there, I heard there was another shooting. I didn't see it. Was there another shooting? Anybody else know? I was thinking I seen that there was another shooting somewhere else, but uh, Lord knows the situations. Pray for our church for continued spiritual growth and to grow in number. All right, someone else? Prayer request this evening. All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, again, thank you for your love, your mercy, and your grace. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity we have to, to come in and worship you and, Lord, to learn uh, from your word. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to, uh, to pray and to lift our petitions to you, knowing that you hear our prayers. Lord, I do think of um, this man and Brother Shannon's church. Lord, I ask that you would comfort their family as in this time of bereavement, and also the other man that was uh, that was killed, Lord, that was uh, they drowned, Lord. I pray that you would just be with them, and Lord, that you would uh, comfort the families now as only you can, Lord. Also for the folks in there in Florida, with all the families and all those that are involved, Lord, I pray that you would just, uh, Lord, that you would just uh, be with them and comfort them as only you can, Lord. I do ask that you be with our church, help us to grow in spirit. And in number, Lord, I do thank you for all that you do, and we'll give you all the praise, the glory, and the honor that comes from it. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let me give you just a couple announcements, and then we'll be dismissed. Of course, uh, this coming uh, Sunday is uh, Social Group Sunday, or Friend Day, so we want you to encourage you to bring a friend to church, and we've got a message already uh, been praying about it, got a, been working on it today, a uh, message geared towards friends, and uh, what kind of friend are you? And uh, so we're going to look at some things about friends and encourage you to bring uh, your friends to church uh, this coming Sunday. Uh, I, was, I had a hard time I was, as I was studying. Um, I got out my phone and I started going through my phone list. And uh, I was praying for my friends, but I also was looking for someone that I could invite. And I found three people that weren't in actively in churches and uh, that serve. And three people... And so I called each one of them. I invited each one of them to come, and uh, none of them can come. Um, but I'm still working on, I, I may steal someone from their church this week. I'm, I'm trying to invite some people. But uh, anyways, you invite someone to come to church with you this coming Sunday. And then the last Sunday of the month is Sanctuary Sunday. We'll have our special offering. So we'll have our ties and missions, and then uh, everything else. I want you to pray about maybe a special love offering uh, for the church, for the parking lot fund, and uh, so you pray about that. And then on Saturday, May, March the 3rd, uh, 9 o'clock is our prayer breakfast, and then afterwards at 10.30, we're going to yeah, have a baby shower and uh, for baby Amos, and they are registered at Walmart, and hope that you can participate in this. All right, let's all stand. Uh, we'll close in a word of prayer, and thank you for being here tonight. Brother Tim, sir, would you close us in a word?